but I do see Errol Spence leaving this fight as the unified IBF and WBC welterweight champion. You're every bit the detective that your followers on the internet believe. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. This is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast than usual. You're probably surprised that I've got a podcast out uh, so quickly after my last one, but you know what? Uh, I really wanted to talk about the aftermath of Spence versus Porter, as well as the other fights on the undercard. So uh, let's get started. First bout was John Molina versus Josecito Lopez. Oh, Imagine if we had gotten this fight maybe four or five years ago. Wouldn't that have been great? Instead, oh, it, it, it was doomed from the start, unfortunately, for poor John Molina. You know, brave warrior, but a bit too brave this eve, or a bit too brave that evening, rather. Um, uh, down twice in the in the first round and. You know, it, it looked like um, it looked like after a while, Molina wasn't able to capitalize on that first round. And this is the thing that struck me about the uh, the second knockdown in the first round. I thought that uh, Molina was going to get counted out. I thought that he was doing the uh, slow stand up so that the referee would reach ten and then kind of wave it off. And I I, I was kind of startled. I thought, wow, um, I I thought that uh, he he got counted out. I, I actually wrote on Twitter, the ref was very generous with the second count for Molina. And he was. It's like, go back and watch that. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, um, I, I'm pretty sure he reached 10 and you were still down, but whatever, what do I know? Molina was lunging with punches. I mean, he did better in the second round. I still gave it to Lopez. And I think it was finally the third round that I gave him... A point so, so basically he's only three points behind now um robert garcia was uh calling for more uppercuts because you could see josecito lopez landing those uppercuts and he was landing pretty good he, he could not miss with his right hand also and you know all the credit in the world to him but uh lopez or sorry uh molina was down again and I, I just thought if Lopez had 10 more seconds, he probably could end this fight right here. But unfortunately, it just happened at the end of the round. And this was where the corner should have uh, really stepped in and said, Okay, John, you know what? You're just taking too many punches. You don't need to take this unnecessary punishment. We're stopping the fight. Instead, you know, even the, the referees going over there and saying one more hard, hard shot and you're done. And I'm just thinking... You know, Lopez has been landing all these hard shots. You think he's just going to land these pitter-pat scoring punches now? He, no, he's going to be landing hard ones. And I, I'm just writing that uh, Molina is going to get hurt unnecessarily, mostly by his corner, because they should stop him. And I wrote, shame on Alcazar for letting uh, John Molina back out there. That was Robert Alcazar, who used to be the trainer for De La Hoya, I believe. And then what happened in the eighth round? Oh, Molina got hurt unnecessarily. He he should not have been allowed out. Uh, good win for Josecito Lopez. I mean, looked really good from the start to the end. I mean, I think I gave Molina only the third round, and that was it. 
John Molina, unfortunately, I think it's time to call it a career. I mean, been some very engaging scraps. No one can ever take away what John Molina has done. Like, he's entertained a lot of people. Um, you, you can never forget that come-from-behind last-round uh, victory over Mickey Bay. You know, that, that, that's something I still like to go back and watch every now and then because you you just know, going into this last ra- the last round, Mickey Bay's won every minute of every round. John Molina, well, he's brave, but he's just hanging in there, and then, bang, he lands one shot, and that's that's what turns it around for him, and that's what gets him the victory. It's, uh, it's a shame when that happens, but uh, a brave fighter needs to be protected from himself, and sometimes, like in this case, he needs to be protected from his corner. I, I, I was really, uh, that, that was embarrassing that his corner let him out like that. They should have known better. And I stand by what I said. Shame on them. Okay, because you're so-called professionals, you should know better. And you should be able to say, nope, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're getting hurt like this. There's no need. Live to fight another day. Next on the other card was perhaps the most controversial decision of the night. Mario Barrios won a unanimous decision over, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Batir Akhmedov. Wow, okay. Um, I wasn't paying too much attention to this fight, in all honesty, because my dinner had arrived, you know, I'm I'm drinking some beer, and it's kind of like, okay, you know what, I'll... uh, I'll comment every now and then, but I'm not going to keep a a close score on this. And from what I saw, it really looked like uh, Berrios was controlling the the first three or four rounds. But then after that, Akhmedov just really stepped on the gas and was putting the pressure on Berrios. Berrios, it looked like the more the fight went on, the more he was getting hurt to the face. I mean, look at his face after the fight. I mean, it is bruised. It looks a bit battered. I felt that uh, Akhmedov, despite that uh, knockdown, and I think it was in the last round, I, I just felt, you know what? I, I think he has really, I think he's really pulled it off. And unfortunately, he he, uh, he did not get the decision. In fact, they had it a wide unanimous decision for Barrios, and you could just tell that he he didn't feel like he won. Uh, well, at the end of the fight, I think when he put his hands up, it was just kind of like, all right, you know what, I went the distance. I probably didn't win, but you know what, I, I gave it my all. And when they announced when they announced him as the winner and the uh, new 140-pound uh, titleist, he, he kind of raised, raised his arms rather limply. You know, it re- reminded me of uh, Oscar De La Hoya in the aftermath of uh, his match with Felix Sturm. It's just kind of like, Oh, yeah, j- j- just look at that face. You can tell he does not believe he won. And the crowd was booing it. I don't know how loudly, but I could see a lot of people writing on Twitter, you know, oh, the crowd is booing this decision. They don't like it. I can't hear it too well because there's a lot of activity in the bar. I am not going to tell people, you know, please keep it down. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, tell people on Twitter what's happening on a fight that they're most likely watching as well. But, uh... Yeah, I wrote, Barrios doesn't believe he won that bout. There, I'm sorry, that's that's just the way I see it. I mean, 
And uh, I had some people say to me, you know, like, same thing. You could see it in his reaction. Akmanov! Holy crap, dude. I mean, what class? Because even though you could tell he did not approve the decision, he still gave his applause. He had every right to kind of storm out of the ring, uh, give the judges the middle finger, say, F you, Berrios, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't do that. You would almost forgive him, though, if he did. Just a little bit. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of... Uh, Fighters acting mature. If you want to leave the ring, fine. That's that's your prerogative. You go do that, but don't go acting immature like that. That's just pointless. Uh, I would like to see a rematch between these two. I mean, it, it's hard to believe that this was only the uh, this was only the eighth fight for Akhmedov. Uh, I I I want to see a rematch. That's all I got to say. Mario Barrios. Uh, right now he's 25 and 0, but uh, I think that he's probably going to want to improve a lot of things in his game plan if he gets a rematch with uh, Akhmedov, or rather if Akhmedov gets a rematch with Barrios. Moving on, next was David Benavidez versus Anthony Durrell for the WBC Super Middleweight Title. I picked Benavidez by eighth round TKO. And I also expected Errol, or sorry, I also expected Durrell to announce his retirement afterwards. Now, walking into the ring, I, I swear to God, maybe it's just me, but I thought that Anthony Durrell looked a bit petrified. He had this this look on his face, kind of like very wide-eyed, very very full of fear, and uh, you know, I, I I was just thinking, oh my God, is he kind of Petrified, or we're kind of seeing what we saw with Michael Spinks versus Mike Tyson, or uh, Ken Norton versus George Foreman. Well, if we did, we, or rather, if we saw the same sort of reaction or look of intimidation on Durrell's face, like we saw with Spinks and Norton, we certainly didn't get the same sort of result that they had. Um, he was fighting a very controlled and disciplined fight. His shots may not have been landing as hard as Benavidez's punches, but he was kind of showing that Benavidez is a bit limited. Okay, like I was expecting Benavidez to cut the ring off more, but you know it, it seemed like he was just following Anthony, and uh, Anthony was just popping off his jab and then scoring with the right hand. I thought he was doing pretty good. I gave him the first two rounds, and I thought that he was fighting a very controlled fight. But Benavidez, he kept wanting to engage in Durrell. He wanted the close combat, and Durrell was smart enough not to want to engage in that. He knew that he would win by using the ring, using his movement, just using his jab to keep Benavidez at distance. And then it started to occur to me, it's like, wait a minute. We're seeing a Durrell brother do well against a feared undefeated puncher? We could be watching a bit of a replay of the Andre Durrell Arthur Abraham fight. You know, it, it certainly was possible, but then the cut opened, and uh, yeah, that that was sort of where things started to more turn towards uh, Benavidez. And at first, it didn't look too bad, but then. 
as the fight went on, it's like, oh no no no, that 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 cut is much worse than you we originally thought, because once they start zooming in on it, it's like ah. Oh, God, that's a lot of blood. And, you know, I was making a joke. Page Dr. Shawhai. You know, go back to go back to the Super 6 tournament to know what I'm talking about there. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that cut was a lot worse than I thought. And in the eighth round, I thought Benavidez was coming close to possibly stopping Durrell. But it just wasn't meant to be. But in the ninth round, he caught up with him. And, uh, yeah, good fight. Um, not, not too surprised by the outcome, the, uh, victory for Benavidez. He is now the youngest two-time super middleweight champion in history. Um, yeah, I will say this though. Anthony Durrell, uh, later announced that, uh, he does not want to end his career this way. He does not want to go out on a loss and that he wants to have another fight. Good for him because to be honest, the, the fight that he had with Benavides was very competitive. He was not letting that cut bother him. He could have he could have gone the route of his older brother. He could have like feigned an injury. He could have done something. Just he could have looked for a way out, but he didn't. He stood his ground, fought fought a rather intelligent fight for the most part. Because I I think I ha may have had him ahead. I don't have my notes in front of me, but yeah, uh, I, I thought both guys showed a lot of class. What is next for both fighters? A rematch? Uh, probably not. You know, I, I don't see a rematch happening. What I am curious about with Benavidez, though, is that he's got the WBC uh, super middleweight title. And with Canelo going up to light heavyweight, is it possible for Canelo to go down to uh, super middleweight after this, after the, uh, Kovalev fight, regardless of what happens with Kovalev, win or lose, could he go down to super middleweight and have this all Mexican showdown with Benavidez for the super middleweight title? Now that'd be a very, very interesting fight to make in 2020, but we'll have to see. Moving on. Okay. So we're about to start Errol Spence versus Sean Porter for the IBF and WBC welterweight title. But, oh no, the rope has snapped on the ring. And now it's going to take 20 minutes to fix this before we can start. And I just thought, you know what? Now would be a great time to get anything unnecessary out of the way. You got some national anthems? Great. Do them now while they're fixing the ring ropes. I don't even recall if there were national anthems. I don't think there were. But, you know, I, I, I just thought, by the time this fight's done, people on the East Coast, it, it's going to be past 1 a.m. This, this is a bit ridiculous, unfortunately. Like, what is the harm in starting this broadcast at, uh, at 5 p.m.? Where's the harm? Okay. Uh, I think my the, the uh, sports bar I went to they started the broadcast at seven o'clock, and that that was the time I got there. What's the harm in starting it at five? What are you losing? Okay, explain that to me. But you know they 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 finally got the the rope fixed, and the fight started. This was not an easy fight to score, ladies and gentlemen. It really wasn't. I was trying my best. 
I, I was trying to figure out, okay, you know, like, who really won that fight? Because, you know, th- th- there's a lot of toe-to-toe action. I mean, Errol Spence might joke that Sean Porter fights like somebody who's drowning. But Porter was taking him into deep water. Okay? Th- 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 like I said, this was not an easy fight to score. I was unsure of my scorecard at times because... At one point during the fight, I think they went to Keith Thurman and all those other guys at the Showtime booth. And I think Thurman said that he had given every round to Sean Porter. Again, the the the, uh, the noise level in the bar was a bit too high to hear the TVs. And I, you know, I'm just not going to ask everybody to shut up. So I'm kind of like, did he just say that he has Porter winning? So, you know, what? Oh, God, I've got Spence winning. So, huh. Now, after five rounds, I had it uh, four rounds to one in favor of Errol Spence. And I got people saying to me, Oh, Andrew, what are you talking about? You don't know how to judge a fight. Well, neither do a lot of people, okay? Neither do a lot of professional boxing judges, if you watch the Barrios fight. But, uh, oh, wow. Sean Porter, to his credit, uh, he, he brought more fights to... Errol Spence than we'd ever seen. We'd later find out that he landed more punches on Spence than any other opponent had before. And then in the 11th round, uh, Spence lands this beautiful left hook on the inside, kind of a sneaky left. It catches Sean Porter as he's trying to throw a punch, and that drops Porter. And that, that was kind of what really solidified it for Errol Spence, in my opinion. I said on my card at this point, you know, because I had it 106-102, I said on my card, Porter needs a KO. And I had the same score as the Showtime judge, whoever that guy was. I, his name escapes me at the moment. But at the end, we go to the scorecards. The scores were 116-111 to 111 for Spence. 115 to 112 for Porter and 116 to 111 for the winner by split decision. Now the unified WBC IBF welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr. The the, the two judges who scored it for Spence, same score I had. So, I mean, I don't know if our rounds were scored the same. It doesn't matter. It, It really doesn't matter in my opinion. Um, I feel the right guy won. I was a bit surprised by that 115-112 for Porter, but I don't know. I mean, there you go. If people want to criticize what my judging was like, I mean, look at the guy who scored it for Porter. Either way, um, I I think Porter was excited that he did do as well as he did against Spence, but I think he also wanted the victory as well. And you could kind of tell that as soon as uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr., read out the uh, the third and final judge's scorecard of 116 to 111. He kind of knew, like, ah, damn it, I didn't win. But uh, he, he took the loss well, and as they're interviewing Errol Spence, I thought, okay, you know, they, they did this thing earlier in the lead-up to the fight where they, they did, remember that old game, uh, Punch-Out, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Well, they, they did something like that with... Uh, Errol Spence, he did Errol Spence's clear out where he made all uh, the opponents he wants into video game characters and just shows him beating them up. I was surprised that in that video package, they actually mentioned and acknowledged 
Terrence Crawford. Like, they, they didn't show him much of him. He just said, I want Terrence Crawford. And then it shows him knocking out some black digitized boxer. It's kind of like, okay, I guess that's supposed to be Crawford. I guess. But I was surprised that they went that far. A lot of times, PBC likes to pretend Terrence Crawford doesn't exist. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, I did say that Pacquiao would probably be in the ring. But imagine, just imagine, if Terrence Crawford got into the ring. And, you know, they're doing the interview, and then they pan to the side, and it's like, oh my god, it's, it's, oh, it's Danny Garcia. What are you doing here, Danny? The, the bathroom's that way. What, what, what are you doing in the ring? And they're making it look like, this is your next opponent, Danny Swift Garcia. And it's like, what? <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. Uh, Danny Garcia's latest victory was a seven-round KO over Adrian Granados, who went into this went into that fight, sorry, with a record of twenty wins, six losses, and two draws. How in the blue hell does that put Garcia in a position to take on one of the best welterweights in the world, Errol Spence Jr.? It's just like no, I I, I refuse to believe that. No way in hell. And, of course, afterwards, I, I saw this on Twitter afterwards, but Errol Spence sat down with, the, uh, with some of the people at Showtime, and they talked about what Errol would like next. I'm the only unified champion, and uh, the next fight I do want is Manny Pacquiao, but if not, let me grab my man Danny Garcia right here. Oh. You ready to fight me? We all know I hit a lot harder than him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can get it on. Like I said, Tay was turned. I told Al, line him up, I'm going to knock him down. So, I've been calling Danny out for a long time, too. So, I'll fight Danny Garcia or anybody else that's in the top welterweight division. For sure. Nobody wants to see Danny Garcia versus Errol Spence. A lot of them don't even want to see Manny Pacquiao versus Errol Spence. You know, I'm kind of one of those people. What we want to see is Errol Spence take on Terrence Crawford. Come on. I mean, BBC, Bob Arum, you've, you've got to come together, Okay. I mean, do some sort of Nixon goes to China meeting and just kind of like put those egos aside and try to make the best fight possible in boxing. Try to solidify who really is the best welterweight in the world. Is it Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence? And you got to do it before Spence decides, you know what, I'm going to move up to uh, 154 pounds because he's talked about doing that. He's uh, uh, talked about a fight with Julian Williams possibly and, you know, that'd be an interesting fight, but... Uh, you know, let's get uh, Terrence Crawford first, and then we'll move on to 154, okay? And I'm not saying that Spence would beat Crawford. I've said that I wouldn't bet against Errol Spence. I've said that in the past, but I also added a little caveat to that. I said the only instance where I might is if he was fighting Terrence Crawford. So we're going to have to see. We are going to have to see. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, Spence versus Garcia, I really don't want that to happen. I don't want Manny Pacquiao to get beat up by Errol Spence either. But uh, we're going to have to see what happens. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. 
Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adana Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to YouTube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. You're every bit the detective that your followers on the